Welcome back to End is the Future, a podcast that brings together great minds to address the opportunities and challenges of making businesses both sustainable and profitable. I am Ilham Kadri, and I'm delighted to be your host today. If you are as passionate about sustainable business as I am, let's explore how End is the Future together. Today, I'm delighted to be speaking with Peter Baker. He's the president and CEO of the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, which is a global CEO-led community of the world's leading sustainable businesses. Peter's work has been recognized widely. He has even received the royal order from the King of the Netherlands for his incredible commitment to helping businesses become more sustainable. Peter has many interests, including a great passion for music and nature. His staff tell me that he starts each meeting with music to fire everyone up. I just love this. I have had the great pleasure of working with Peter since Solve is a member of the WBCSD. And because I have just taken up the role as a chair of the organization, which is such a great honor. Thank you so much, Peter, for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Yolam. It's uh, great to see you. <laughs> great to see you too. Well, since I know, Peter, that you like to start meetings with music, if you had to choose a song to kick off our discussion today, what would it be? Well, I'm, my taste of music is shifting all over the place at the moment. I'm into <laughs> ambient music much, but I would probably play the nearer the fountain, the more pure the stream flows today, which is... Uh, a new album by a gentleman called Damon Alburn, ah. um, which is it's it's recorded in Iceland, and he tries to capture in the music the changing climate, changing landscape of Iceland. So that's quite beautiful. Wow! I will definitely you know I'll listen send you a to link. it. Yeah, please. So there is a link definitely to nature, right, and sustainability, Peter. Your other yeah. passions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, I want to start, Peter, by asking, is there a specific moment in your life that really sparked your interest and, and passion in making businesses more sustainable? Is this something you or, always thought about? Is how, how did it start? No, it, it came very late for me. I, I had already become a CEO of uh, uh, TNT, the, the, the company where I was uh, working. Uh, I was very young. I was 40. I had my job interview for the CEO role on 9-11. Uh, two weeks later, I was the, the selected candidate to become the CEO. And in that week, Enron exploded. So here I was, a, a young guy making a career, becoming a CEO. And then the world, on, the war on terror started. Uh, yeah. Sarbanes-Oxley was invented. Yeah. So it was a was a pretty tough time where you know business and business leaders were you know not necessarily the most positive contributors to the world's conversation so i thought well that can't be true that because i'm a ceo i'm now a bad guy so let's see what we can do well one thing led to another we became the first corporate partner of the united nations uh, back in the day and uh, i was talking on one of the clinton global uh, initiative meetings uh, about a year or two years into that journey about what we were doing. And then somebody came up to me and said, oh, it's fantastic what you do for the World Food Program, but you must 
you must understand climate change. This was 2004. Wow. I had, I had never heard about climate change, which was probably my ignorance, but I had never heard of it. I educated myself and yeah, that's where it all started. Amazing story. So Peter, earlier this year, and I've been in the room and, you know, watching you, supporting you and you, the beautiful work done by the WBCSD team. WBCSD released a fantastic call to action with its vision 2050, time to transform. Um, for our audience who may not know, this report shows how businesses can start transforming now to mitigate the urgent challenges of the climate emergency, the loss of nature and inequality. It's very holistic, very bold, very uh, forward-looking vision. And one of the best things about the report is that it lays out in detail nine transformation pathways with 10 actions areas that businesses can implement before 2030. Can you elaborate, Peter, on some of these actions? Yeah, no, I, I think what we try to do is, the title is a bit misleading, you know, this in 2050. <laughs> uh, sounds like far away, and but what we try to create is an action agenda for all businesses. Um, so the basic view is that uh, sustainability is now going mainstream. This is no longer about philanthropy or about corporate social responsibility. This is about how do we integrate sustainability into our business strategy, into our business models, into the products. So what we've done is we've, we've looked at what are the nine most important products and services that business provides to society and what can companies do now to make those products and services more sustainable. So you'll find a pathway for energy, for food, for products and materials, for mobility, for built environment, and a few more. And in each of those pathways, we have said, what is the long-term vision? Well, clearly a, a net zero carbon energy system that is affordable and accessible to all. What are the key transitions we need to then work through you know, to decarbonize energy, to decarbonize heavy transport? And then for each of those product categories, what are the 10 action areas that businesses should consider implementing into their strategies now? So if you, if you look into that work and you know, any listener that would like to Go there. It's time to transform.biz. That's where you can download all these pathways. You'll find very concrete 10 action areas per product category that companies can use as a checklist and then implement in their own strategies. That's really the purpose of that work. Yeah. And having been under the tent and uh, at the launch, it's really, you know, comprehensive work. By the way, you talk um, about the three R's, um, the reinvention, resilience and regeneration. Can you explain, Peter, what you mean by these three R's and the mindset shift you, you continuously talk about, which is required very much in business? How do you think we instill this mindset shift effectively so that everyone is excited about the opportunities and the growth? Uh, potential. I think the uh, the interesting debate when you talk about uh, let's go make the world more sustainable is that some people tend to think that technology will solve everything for us and therefore the engineers will uh, will find the solution. So that is partially true. We absolutely need innovation. We need engineers. We need the, the new solutions. But our opinion is it cannot be left just to technological innovation. There will be an, a need to change the way we think about 
how we make business decisions, what we find important. So in, in, in that context, Vision 2050 has talked about the three R's, reinvention of capitalism, uh, resilience in supply chains, and regeneration. So the, the reinvention obviously talks about, you know, how do we get a more inclusive, more sustainable capitalism? Re, uh, resilience, uh, I think that's best illustrated what we see now in the world. You know, COVID-19 has brought a massive shock to our economic, our human system. But still today, many supply chains are not yet back up and running. You know, massive delays have occurred. So what this, in a sad way, has demonstrated is that the resilience of our supply chains cannot handle big shocks. And yeah. we know, whether it's climate or whether it's another event, there will be more shocks coming our way. So we need to shore up the ability of uh, supply chains to, to get up and running much faster. Regeneration, the third R, talks about the capacity of the Earth system to recover uh, after we take what we need for all the, uh, the activities that humans have on this planet. And there, I think the strongest examples of that are now in the regenerative agriculture space, yeah. where we see a lower dependence on fertilizers, on pesticides, more natural solutions being implemented, more understanding of soil quality instead of all kinds of uh, additives that we may add to the process. But it's the main concept is technology and innovation will be a massive part of the solution. But it will require all business leaders to also have a different mindset when they make their decisions. Yeah, beautiful. So, yeah, technology, innovation, ingenuity. Yes, fun, a good foundation, but you need mindsets, right? Shifts and and probably leaders to lead, right? So, no, and 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 let's focus, Peter, on the reinvention. Um, and we talk a lot about reinvention of capitalism uh, with all what's going on. Uh, around us in the world, including the geopolitics. And I know it's close to your heart, to mine too, um, we, we, because we both believe that capitalism can be part of sustainable development. If you could write a book on reinventing capitalism, what would be the main chapters? In other words, what does reinventing capitalism mean to you? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I would write a book. I would rather uh, stand in front of the classroom of business leaders to, to help them understand what, what is needed. But in my mind, this reinventing capitalism has a bit of a risk as a label because this is not an ideological rant for or against capitalism. This is really an argument that we want to make that just focusing on financial performance or on mm -hmm. financial capitalism is no longer good enough. We know that we have natural capital, we have social capital, and just like in, in current capitalism, we optimize returns on financial capital, we must do the same on environmental and social capital. So what, what does that mean in practice? Business must really get better at measuring and managing the impacts it has, not only on its balance sheet and cash flow, but also on nature and on, on the people and the communities in which it operates. It must integrate that into its risk management, into its capex processes, and eventually into its disclosures to capital markets. Capital markets, meaning investors and financiers then, need to take that information and put it into their valuation models. You know, 
my view is 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 very simple. I'm not saying simple to achieve, but simple in its words. The more sustainable a company is, the lower its cost of capital should become. I.e., uh, because if you're more sustainable, you have lower environmental and social risks. Risk is a big driver of the cost of capital, and that means you should be able to finance your uh, in your growth cheaper or get a higher PE rate so for companies that are listed. And if we can change capitalism in that direction, then all of a sudden you will see that capitalism will work for sustainability instead of against. And therefore, I've always said, and, and that's I, that, well, a passion in a job is always a, a big statement to make, but the reason I'm here in this role in WBCSD is I believe we can make that change and we're actually getting quite close to it. And if we make that change, then we can stop talking about sustainability because then sustainable capitalism will be the biggest accelerator that the world has. Absolutely. And, and you know, lots of companies are, are coming out. I mean, I know you returned, Peter, from COP26. Uh, and like me, despite, you know, some headlines, you see the glass half full. Uh, first of all, what makes you optimistic and what do you think companies should be doing more to translate real conviction to the public uh, and avoid being perceived as greenwashing and just giving intent for 2050 where most of us will be retired? What would be your advices to industries like ours? I left Glasgow COP26 uh, optimistic this time. Uh, I, I've said it, it felt like the first time it was a how-to COP instead of a why or a what COP. Mm -hmm. There were more business leaders than ever before. Most of them didn't just fly in for a speech and fly out again, but were really on the ground taking part in dialogues and presentations and the likes. Then secondly, the financial players have come to the COP in much greater numbers than ever before. Obviously, Mark Carney and his $130 trillion announcement. And that's massively important. If, if business, together with capital markets, agree that this is the way forward, then you have a big engine in the world that, need, that, that will drive towards solutions. I think what companies must do, and I, I think you raise a very important point, is there's a lot of distrust in business. You know, that was best demonstrated in Glasgow. There were in total 30,000 people in the COP, but there were 100,000 people on the Saturday protesting against the COP. And, and business was often uh, yeah. sh uh, shouted as, as the villain, greenwashing, uh, promises, no action. I think the only real answer to that is Business has to do three things in my mind. Set ambitious targets, like I know you have done in, in Solvay. Create an operating plan behind that target to, to uh, know where your company can actually begin to reduce, to drill it into the company so that all management can be part of it. And then the third step is be as tra transparent as you can about what is the progress we're making towards that operating plan and eventually that target because making speeches that we're not greenwashing, we're actually really trying to do something can help, but only so far. I think in the coming two, three years, really demonstrating progress 
clear focus in the plans that companies have, that's the way to build trust over time. Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. And, and, and talking about businesses, I mean, obviously they have a lot to do um, inside their walls and in their ecosystem, in the value chain, but we cannot do it alone, right? So what do you think governments, regulators, investors, and companies must do to play their role in, in this transition, uh, Peter? Yeah, I, I think you're right. An individual company can't can do, well, it can do a lot, but it can't do enough to, to work through all the climate challenges. I think there's the word collaboration is going to be a critical word in, in the next five years. And that is on all kinds of fronts, uh, collaboration within supply chains. You know, if you look at a company like, like yours, Solvay, you're in the midst of so many value chains, you can probably, or you have, or you will create solutions that will make other people's products way more sustainable. But that requires real co-design across value chains. That's one step. The second step is we really must get much closer to our investors on these topics. Um, what I see change in, in the engagement with investors is the we un, uh, investors begin to understand better than a few years ago that where the company is today, where it needs to be 10 years from now. But how do we get from where we are today to where we need to be? The transition risks in that transformation, that's an area where we need to do more work together to make sure that everybody understands the changes. Governments, um, I think it's important. Two things. Business is really well organized to stop new regulation coming in. There's still too much lobby against change. There's not enough positive voice for change. And that's, that's strange, but we, business is often very good at protecting the status quo and is too fragmented in saying we actually want to change. This is the change we want. And this is the type of regulation or policies that would support that change. So I think we can do more there. And then obviously the last and, and probably the trickiest one is we need to include the consumers because people around the world, citizens, uh, have much better understanding of the big challenges. You know, you've seen it in Belgium, in Germany, in the Netherlands, massive floods, forest fires, wherever Absolutely. you look. So people understand there is big issues at hand, but when they are consumer in the supermarket, they don't always make the choices that are relevant or are aligned with those concerns. And that is something where I think business can play a bigger role than we where, than we're playing today. Absolutely. And and you know, I'm always part of uh, the industry, but the chemical industry specifically, I, I used to call it uh, Peter, the mother of all industries yeah. at the risk of feminizing it. What's your op or opinion on the role of the chemical industry, which is, you know, being uh, finger pointed right here and there um, and has been seen as part of the problem. What's your opinion on the role of the chemical industry in this transition? Yeah, I, I find the chemical industry, um, I find it the most interesting industry that is out there. One for, uh, come on guys and girls, do more. Um, but the other thing is it, it, it needs to much better tell the story 
I know that in the labs of all the chemical companies in the world, there will probably be 90% of the solutions that the world needs to avoid you know, plastic pollution or reduce energy use or, or uh, reduce weight in the, the vehicles or other transport means that we have. So we need to tell that story of what are the solutions and how can we get them to market? What policies do we need? What uh, demand chains would, would get us there? The reason why I think it's often finger-pointed is because, and, and this is not talking about individual companies, because there's always good examples out there, like like I think you're trying to create in Solfe, but generally, the industry has been too slow in moving on what can we do ourselves to reduce the energy, the emissions that we create in some of our big plants. And, and I think it's important that we bring the industry together to talk about what are scope three emissions in this, in this sector. Uh, and I think that's, that's going to be, in my mind, the main ticket going forward for the chemical sector, because the minute the chemical sector has a clear way of measuring and managing scope three, then you can show what are the avoided emissions in other parts of the supply chains, way beyond your own plants, but by other people using your solutions. Yeah. Yeah. And then people will see the enormous power of the, of the sector. Yeah, and this is a huge opportunity. I agree, Peter. There are a few uh, big brands and, and let's bigger actually where we are trying to put our efforts uh, together, right? Because sometimes we're going to reinvent the wheel on, on the way to involve suppliers and engage with us customers because we need that trustability. Well, listen, times fly. I know you are a great lover of nature and spend a lot of time in the forest close to your house. I do the same here uh, next to my house. So let's turn to biodiversity for a little while. We just had the first phase of the COP15 summit on biodiversity, Peter. What do you think will be accomplished in phase two? And what do you think businesses can do concretely to better protect biodiversity? I'm really hopeful that um, COP CBD will be able to produce some real tangible targets. Um, we we have in, in 2021 launched the Global Goals for Nature. Uh, WWF, WBCSD and other organizations were in the lead on that, which basically said we need to be uh, nature positive uh, by 2030. We need to restore nature by no later than 2050. Those are great statements. But we need to be more precise for it to be actionable for business. So I think the impact uh, that business can have uh, is going to follow the same trajectory as climate change. And, and any listener in business that wants to understand what is going to happen in biodiversity, just take the rule book from climate. So the first thing is I would expect the science-based targets for nature to emerge. Just like we have the one and a half degrees for climate, there will be some targets for nature. The second thing that will then happen is uh, what can we actually do in terms of disclosures? So we have the TCFD, the Task Force for Climate-Related Disclosures, Climate Change. In 2022, the TNFD will be launched, the Task Force for Nature-Related Financial Disclosures. And then the third step of that will be uh, new bodies like International Sustainability Standards Board will move beyond climate ESG indicators into nature ESG indicators. And that's actually very good news for business, because then you know what the target is that business needs to live up to. 
you know how to integrate it into your corporate scenarios, governance, and you know how to disclose the impact you have. And that's, I always say, you know, once you're at that stage, business can breathe again, because then it knows what to do. There's a target, there's a process, and there are KPIs against which we can measure ourselves. And and I know you work in a very political environment, so we don't often get to know a lot about you personally, right? And 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 businesses meetings are always a bit rushed up. I'm really interested to know more about who you are outside of the WBCSD. Tell us more about you, Peter. Uh, well, I'm a father of three. Uh, my kids live in the Netherlands. I live in Switzerland. So uh, it's been tough times in COVID and uh, not being yeah. able to, to go visit them. Um, I, like you said at the beginning, uh, well, if, if you're, if you, the difficulty I have in my life is if you run a purpose-based organization like WBCSD, which is not the big 100,000 multinational that I was used to, then there's always more work than, uh, than there are hours in the day. So there is... There isn't always that much time to do other things, but when I relax, I, I listen to music. I write letters a lot. Mm. And in and in my in head, the old I'm, way? With a pen yeah, or yeah, electronic no, letter? No, 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 no. With the hand, obviously. <laughs> um and in my dreams I'm the best photographer in the world. I just oh, never wow. make I never make enough time to really show that to the world. But uh, I like photography. Really? So yeah. you may have uh, read La Dame de Berlin, the Berlin woman. It's yeah. a photog- yeah. It's a story of a photographer, right? With his yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's beautiful. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you for this fascinating discussion. Um, you're an amazing leader and an inspiration for me and many around you as we strive to make business both sustainable and profitable, by the way, science-driven and human. So we can reinvent, uh, obviously, you, you, humanity progress. So keep up the great work. Um, and I am sure our listeners and, and the audience um, have felt your passion, um, your wisdom and sustainability, and even more, and the power of the end. Thank you so much for joining us today. For more information or to listen to other episodes, visit our website. And if you like these podcasts, don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, be safe.